Next on BYU Sports Nation, the Cyclones hit Provo and caused damage in more than one way. How BYU basketball lost not only a crucial game, but maybe their center. We've got the latest on freshman phenom Eric Mika's hard-to-watch eye injury and what happens now for BYU as the Cougars continue a stretch of big-time games. Plus, BYU-Notre Dame football on the frozen tundra in South Bend, Indiana. Extreme winter conditions expected for the Cougars and Irish. We'll talk to the radio voice of Notre Dame football, Don Cricky. Let's go. And now, live on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio, it's BYU Sports Nation with your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Thursday, November 21st, what is up? BYU Sports Nation back at it. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with the one and only Jerem Jordan. Wherever and however you may be listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Another non-conference ranked opponent in the Marriott Center. And another tough, emotional, close loss for BYU basketball. How did the Cougars take the next step? BYU football headed for a potential blizzard in South Bend, Indiana. And it just wouldn't be the right this season if weather didn't play a factor for BYU football. A blizzard of touchdowns. Huge game, uh, BYU-Notre Dame. The funny thing about uh, this week is... BYU playing at Notre Dame is kind of the second thing in Cougar fans' minds. Certainly right now. How how big is this week? This is a tremendous week. And so, uh, unfortunately, BYU loses the game against Iowa State. We'll break it down here in a few moments. But a huge game with uh, Notre Dame. I'm extremely excited, by the way, to talk to always Blaine Fowler. And, of course, uh, Don Cricky. He's he's, uh, listening to his voice growing up. He did a bunch of Notre Dame games, NFL games. He's a big deal. He called the 63-yard NFL record-setting field goal by Tom Dempsey in like in 1970. 1970. Yeah, I mean, He's been around for he'll a while. He'll join the program. He, he knows his stuff. And yeah, like, like Jerem said, he'll join us today on BYU Sports Nation. Join the conversation by tweeting at BYU Sports Nation and of course follow it. And then you can comment on and like our Facebook page and weigh in on today's poll question, which is this. What was your biggest takeaway from the BYU-Iowa State basketball game? Here are our options on BYUTVSports.com. Say whatever you want on Twitter. Tough loss, but this team's going to be good. Eric Mika is a beast. Need to make more free throws or better three-point percentage needed. Those are a tough four options. And I'm gonna, I'll, I'll save my answer because we're going to dive into all of these. In Fine, just, I'll in save mine too. Moments. Uh, but I, I'm not going to divulge my answer right there. I have, I have one that I feel very strongly about. And, and I know that a lot of people are going to say need to make free throws. But uh, that, I'll tell you that much. It, that is not my answer. So it's one of the other three. Friendly reminder, you can listen to BYU Sports Nation each and every weekday, noon Eastern, 10 a.m. Mountain on BYURadio.org, the BYU Radio iOS app, Sirius XM Channel 143, and Dish Network Channel 980. Our show on demand every day on a very sharp BYURadio.org. You can catch the rebroadcast each day, 7 p.m. Eastern on BYU Radio. That, my friends, is how you listen. And now it's time to rise and shout. Bring on what's trending. What's trending in BYU Sports Nation. Topic one. Eric Mika, what's going on with the freshman phenom? Uh, Eric will probably go and have uh, uh, a scan to to check his... uh, is I think it's his right eye, and uh, right now it's kind of up in the air. We'll know more in a couple hours. If you missed it last night, BYU Iowa State on ESPNU. Eric Mika with about three and a half minutes left in the game, down in the post, takes a pass, and DeAndre Kane of Iowa State 
straight up goes Larry, Curly, and Moe, nyuk, 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 on Eric Mika and gouges him in the eye. And, I mean, it, it looked ugly from my perspective on the court, but when you watch the replay on TV, it it's hard for me to watch that. It just looks horrible. I'm, I was surprised that Eric didn't have, like, an eyeball pop out. It, it was a forceful blow to the face. Kane gets ejected. Uh, the play is stopped for a while while the referees review it. It's a flagrant two. Uh, so BYU gets two free throws. They get the ball back. Tyler Haas gets fouled, makes two more free throws. It's a one-point game, but then you don't have Eric Mika down the stretch. Crucial loss right there. And, uh, you know, initial reaction from, from Mika and from BYU uh, players last night out of the locker room, not great. Scratched cornea, perhaps scratched corneas. A lot of swelling around the eyes, red and purple hues from bruising. Eye injuries are scary. You just don't know until you you have a doctor take a good look and you do the scan like Dave Rose told us last night. We hope for Eric's sake it's a very quick recovery uh, because that's that's scary stuff. And as soon as we know, we'll let you know if it's during the show or or via Twitter uh, what the status is for Eric Mika. When I first saw that, I thought, oh, you know, a hard foul accident in the eyes. And then when I saw the replay, when I went home, since I was at the game courtside as well, I thought, oh my goodness, that was blatant and that was egregious. And the the swift penalty was given, which is to kick him out. But the, the bigger story there is Eric Mika owned the first half. BYU didn't get him involved as much in the second because Iowa State tightened up their defense on the interior. But he was a huge part of what BYU was doing, especially on offense. Then he goes out. You take away that threat at the basket. BYU struggled to get buckets in the end. And defensively, Georgie uh, Niang gets the ball three times in a row after that and scores baskets. They uh, Iowa State goes on a 4-0 run after Tyler Haas there and pushes that lead back up to five. And, be, and a lot of fans will say, well, does Mika defend any better than Nate Austin does at that point? It's another guy Ex- at least. Exactly. He's a rim protector. He alters shots. So him coming out of the game after playing so well and being a huge threat changed the game for BYU, and they were not the same after that. Incredible performance from Eric Mika. Uh, he went down earlier with uh, what looked like could have been uh, a weird kind of scary knee injury, but he got he back got up. Hit, he got hit hard in the knee. Luckily, it wasn't didn't buckle and didn't tear, didn't sprain anything. That's, just a bruise. That's the good news. Yeah, just a bruise. So he was down for a while. Uh, but his footwork as a freshman, he is 18 years old. He could play in the NBA. He He looks like a polished veteran in the college scene. I mean, he still has work to do, but... With his size and his athletic ability, uh, you saw the alley-oop to put BYU up 12 in the first half. He jumps out of the gym. He's a great rebounder. And again, I love him so much because uh, his style of play, that is, because he protects the rim. And BYU has not had that in a very long time. Physical shot blocker, get up, get out of my way, give me the ball, I'm going to go score. They haven't had that for a long time. Based on what you're saying from your conversations with the players after the game, that does not look good for BYU's no. two biggest back-to-back games of the season on Monday and Tuesday. The reason being is that you're prominently placed on ESPNU and then ESPN2 or U with Monday against Texas and then Tuesday against DePaul or Wichita State. These three games coupled together, BYU's biggest opportunity to showcase themselves. They can't do anything in three other games throughout the season that would do more than these three games. So Eric Mika... 
it's up in the air whether he's going to play Monday or Tuesday for BYU. That would be a huge loss. Eric Meek is one of our options on the poll question today. What was your biggest takeaway from BYU-Iowa State basketball? The B option is Eric Mika is a beast, and I imagine that will certainly gain some traction. If you missed it, initial reaction from BYU players, his teammates last night when I was talking with them uh, after the game, obviously disappointed about the loss, but certainly their thoughts and concerns with Eric because uh, of the severity or or how severe the injury looked. And uh, like I said, I, I heard the words scratched cornea, perhaps scratched corneas, a lot of swelling around the eyes, uh, red and purple bruising, and they said it was it was immediate. So uh, again, we we wish the best for Eric Mika and his recovery, and for the for BYU basketball moving forward, uh, if and when they get uh, their star center back. It's weird to think that in the past four seasons you've had this happen three times. Cougar fans will remember Jonathan Tavernari against Pepperdine. Oh, that was awful. This happened in a non-conference game. Famous picture in ESPN the magazine, by the way. I think Sports Illustrated ran it too. Two fingers in his eyes. Whoa! And then Tyler Haas actually had this his freshman year uh, prior to the Mountain West Conference tournament, or it was in the tournament, where he had to miss a couple games. And then he played that that 37-point game, Jimmer's junior year against Florida. He plays in that game with a black eye, essentially. He can't even see out of it, yet he still made his free throws. He had the fifty. He had the fifty free throw win streak three times to BYU. This has happened. This is the worst of those three by far, though. Those other two appeared to be accidents. This was no accident. Eric Mika's line last night: eight for fifteen, shot fifty-three plus percent from the field, nine rebounds, couple of assists, a block, and uh, only had three fouls when he left the game. Seventeen points. So Eric Mika down and out for now. We will update you on BYU Sports Nation as soon as we hear anything from the BYU basketball staff. Topic two. Oh, missed opportunities. Tyler Haas on what BYU could, should have done to get a win against Iowa State. I think that was part of it. I mean, they got they got a lot of boards in the second half, and, and that was definitely a key for us going in. If we could have rebounded a little bit better, I think we could have controlled the pace and the tempo a little bit better in the second half, but uh, we didn't do that. Listen, rebounding was great early for BYU. They were flying around in the first half, which is why they built a 12-point lead. They out-rebounded Iowa State 27-19 going into halftime. They were out-rebounded by 10 in the second half and lost the overall board battle 46-44. They were also outscored in the paint in the second half by a considerable margin. So BYU lost the battle in the paint. How much of that goes to Eric Mika being out for the last three and a half minutes? I don't know. I mean, it's certainly a factor. But uh, the hustle plays were more in the favor of Iowa State on the boards in the second half, and they got a lot of layups inside late in the game. That was that was a huge thing for me watching uh, courtside was just the ability of Iowa State to penetrate and then get easy hoops inside. And some of the time, Eric Mika was inside. So uh, certainly... A lot to be discussed there. 27 rebounds in the second half for Iowa State, 30 points in the paint, and they shot 58%. They were getting to the rim. That was BYU's key in the first half was Mika was getting good shots inside, and then BYU shot the ball well. But in the second half, BYU shot the ball really poorly, uh, 38%. Other things that are missed opportunities. And here, and here's the thing with this win overall. I, I'm frustrated. I hate losing, period. You it just stinks to lose, and to lose a game that you feel like you should have won because there were some unforced errors. Things like free throws. 12 for 20, you miss 8 of those in a 2-point game. 
And you're at home. That's yeah. that's the thing. You're on your home court. It's you're not in a hostile environment. That, that's a big one. You score two field goals last six minutes and twelve seconds, and then three point shooting. Uh, BYU goes four for fourteen. You you add uh, Saturday's game. BYU's five for their last thirty five from three. You just make a couple of those shots. It's different. And BYU is uh, there's some youth, but extremely talented. The Cougars go up by twelve with five and a half to go in the first half. Uh, capped off by Eric Mika's alley-oop dunk. The Marriott Center's going crazy. Did Jimmer just walk in? You know, like that feel. Timeout Iowa State, and then they go, Iowa State goes on a run. That was the point where had BYU put their foot to the pedal, which they did against Weber State and Stanford, and built themselves a 20-plus cushion that they could uh, allow, allow, a could run. allow a run. Yes. Yep. And that happened in both games. BYU won by nine uh, in both, I believe. So... This game, that did not happen in that moment. And so at the end of the game, when Mika goes out, it has a bigger impact. BYU's not up by 9 or 12. It's a close game. BYU's, in fact, in that moment, BYU's down by 5. A lot of mention about those free throw misses again and the three-point shooting. 535, by the way, is a hair over 14%. 4 for 14 last night, which is 28%, which is not good by any means. Make... One more. Make two more. Yeah. Iowa State was 7 for 24 from three-point line, which is 29%. I still feel like Mika and that factor, him going out late in the game, his role as the rim protector, and being washed out with 330 left on the clock is the most notable, unfortunate circumstance for BYU in that loss. Granted, they still had opportunities to get it done. The last two possessions were for the lead, and of course, uh, the 3.2 seconds left, uh, it's a one-point game. A free, uh, the first free throw is missed. The second is banked in. At that point, Dave Rose had told the ref, "Hey, miss or make, I want a timeout." Right? And then that didn't that didn't happen. The the ball was made. A timeout didn't happen. But BYU still got a good look. Kyle Collinsworth, I think, is the third option of who you want to shoot that. It'd go Haas, Carlino, then probably Collinsworth in that situation. But BYU still had ample opportunity. Let's keep it rolling. Topic three. Okay, opportunity missed, but not all bad. It's a long season, and this is uh, one game in that season, and we'll you know, try to use it now to, to help us get better. But, you know, our guys know that that was a real winnable game for us, and, and we just came up a little short. Look, BYU did not hurt themselves from a national standpoint. They went blow for blow with the 21st-ranked team in the country, which I believe is better than the 21st-ranked team in the country now that they have beaten Michigan and handled uh, to or not handled but managed to escape the Marriott Center in Provo which is an extremely what a pair of wins. tough place to win I think there have been 11 home losses in the last eight seasons in the Marriott Center Dave Rose wins 92 percent of his games in the Marriott Center 11 home losses in eight years make, that's, that's make like it. one a year that's incredible so BYU did not hurt themselves from a national perspective because they were playing on ESPNU, a lot of prominent eyes watching, a lot of national pundits watching, guys that know the game, uh, namely Andy Katz. And this is the one that I saw last night. And I quote on Twitter, what a great win for Iowa State at BYU. Cyclones are real deal. Both of these teams, both of these teams will be in the NCAA tournament. Love the true road games. What have we talked about the whole time on this show since we started on Labor Day? That there's three keys to being nationally relevant. Whether, no matter the sport. Win. Yes. Play an entertaining brand. Okay. Uh, style. Whether that's football, basketball, whatever. And then have star players. 
BYU has those three things. Another Andy uh, Katz tweet. BYU will be near the top of the most entertaining entertaining teams to watch. And then he says, the only bad thing about going to the Marriott games at the Marriott Center, no hotel points. Got <laughs> <laughs> got to slide that one in there, right? I don't think that BYU lost anything but the game. I think BYU could have gained a lot by the win. Uh, gained traction and got what Iowa State's getting. Yes, but but they didn't lose anything. Listen, there are worse things in the world than losing by two to a ranked team. There are worse things. It, it wasn't ten. It wasn't twenty. I I repeat, I hate losing. I hate it so much. But there are worse things. It's in the in the big scheme of things in this marathon throughout the year. This may be. This may be an, something that you look at as okay. It's not the worst thing in the world. Like losing to Loyola Marymount, right? Or losing to San Diego in the WCC tournament. You know what I mean? That's way different. D- Dave Rose's first home game, his coaching debut at the Marriott Center, was a non-conference loss to Loyola Marymount. How about that? And then he didn't lose forever after that. <laughs> It just doesn't happen very often. And people say, well, yeah, BYU can't get it done against the big teams. Look at Baylor and Wake Forest and now Iowa State. Look at San Diego State when Jimmer was hit. Don't forget that game. BYU won that game. It's Look, BYU basketball has a very bright future. Turn over half the roster, play some freshmen, and then tell me that BYU goes 4-1 and one and hangs with a ranked team. I go, okay, great. I'll take it. And we're not trying – I'm not – Personally, I'm not trying to spin a moral victory. A lot of people. No, no, no. No moral victory. There is no moral. They lost the game. My point is, from a national standpoint, according to notable guys, BYU is a respected team and are expected to make the NCAA tournament. And could challenge Gonzaga for the WCC title. They lost to Iowa State. Yes. But guess what? Iowa State is a really, really good team. So what's your answer to the poll question? What was your biggest takeaway from the game? My biggest takeaway is tough loss, but this team is going to be really good. I'll take another one just for the sake of taking another one. Need to make more free throws. Those are free shot. you got to shoot a higher percentage, and then in a close game, you win. What was your biggest takeaway from BYU-Iowa State basketball game? Sound off at BYU Sports Nation. Up next, we go inside the lines with Notre Dame play-by-play man Don Cricky. He's a legend. He'll join the show next. This is BYU Sports Nation. We'll be back with more BYU Sports Nation right after this. This is Tyler Haas, and you are in BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Go Cougs! Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan hanging out in the BYU broadcast facilities. You can follow us at Spencer underscore Linton and at Jerem Jordan. Join the show's growing Twitter following at BYU Sports Nation. Saturday, Cougar football is on BYU Radio, BYU TV, and NBC. Pre-game coverage on BYU Radio starts at 1.30 Eastern. BYU TV's countdown to kickoff starts at 2.30 Eastern. The game continues on BYU Radio and NBC at 3.30 with post-game coverage live on BYU Radio and BYU TV. Dan Hicks of NBC Sports will have the call nationally. Talked to Dan earlier in the week. Great insight. In just a few moments, uh, we bring in the Notre Dame Radio play-by-play Don Cricky. But first, what was your biggest takeaway from the BYU-Iowa State basketball game? Very quickly to Twitter, we go with at Vacaviti. The team has potential, BYU, but has more to prove if they want in the NCAA tournament. At Jeff J. BYU. This is all he says. Pain. <laughs> <laughs> That's well played. 
and understandable. And at LCDL7682, Coog's inability to make free throws, so he agrees with you, Jerem. 12 for 20. Uh, Iowa State missed six free throws, too, but Iowa State was playing on the road. BYU... Yeah, you got you got to fix that uh, on your home court. We now welcome into BYU Sports Nation, as promised, Don Crickey, Notre Dame radio play-by-play legendary broadcaster, a man who knows everything there is to know pretty much about uh, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Don, welcome to the show. How are things going in a very brisk South Bend? Good, Spencer. I'm actually based outside of New York, but it is, oh. uh, is going to be brisk in South Bend from what I understand, with chill factors way down. Well, thankfully, you have a nice warm spot in the press box. Yes. Yes, that's true. <laughs> BYU-Notre Dame set for Saturday afternoon in South Bend. And a lot of mention about the weather and how cold it's going to be. But, Don, how much will senior day for Notre Dame factor into the way the Fighting Irish come out against BYU? Uh, you know, I don't think uh, – I think they can get overplayed. I think the, I know the coaches like to get it out of the way. I mean, they certainly value their seniors, but you want a few distractions – as you can have, I would think, going going into a tough game like this. So I think they'll try to put that behind them as soon as it's over. Don, what's the psyche of uh, the team and, I guess, fans, given the fact that uh, Notre Dame's out of the, the BCS question and yet still has uh, Stanford on the schedule next week? Well, as far as they're concerned, what they have on the schedule is BYU this week. I mean, they know how good BYU is. Um, well, I think it's a very together and up team. I mean, they want to, you know, do as well as they can. And, uh, I mean, they would like to be in the BCS hunt, but uh, now that they're not, I don't think it's going to detract from their effort at all. Don Crickey, play-by-play voice of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish on the radio. And, Don, you just mentioned Notre Dame's team thoughts on BYU. They respect the Cougars. But you being in New York and having that, uh, that East Coast perspective and also uh, working closely with Notre Dame, what, what's the national uh, perspective on BYU football coming into this game? I think probably what it is every year, they're underrated. I mean, yes, the Notre Dame coaches, they, they said it, you know, they didn't play a better defense last year than BYU. They got to Alabama. Uh, you know, it's a very good team. I mean, they're out west. They're a long way from New York, so they don't get a lot of attention here, but... Uh, I mean, I go by what coaches say. I think Notre Dame thinks it's as well coached a team as they play. And you look at uh, last year, that amazing run uh, to the national title game. What's been the difference this year other than, obviously, Everett Golson not being the quarterback? Well, I think, uh, you know, people forgot, you know, maybe didn't realize at the time just how good Manti Teo was as an inside linebacker. He was a real blasting cap. He was the igniter. And he's doing very well as a rookie in the pros. And I, th- I think that was a drop-off. Uh, and I just, I don't know, I think there was uh, a lot of new players in place. Uh, but I think, I think the, you know, getting used to, if they have, with the absence of Manti Teo, has been a, something they've had to deal with. He was very, very important. And probably the best linebacker Notre Dame's ever had in 126 years of football. Wow. That good, huh? Yeah, I think he was. He was He was a difference maker. 126 years of football. Yeah. And I know the San Diego Chargers. I have some friends down there uh, that are uh, very close to the team, some players on the team that have uh, been very impressed with his play. So I guess I shouldn't act that surprised. Uh, Don, let me ask you this. You're coming off uh, a loss to Pittsburgh, a game that Notre Dame feels like they should have won, that frustrates the fan base uh, to a significant degree. Do you feel like, because the Irish had an extra week to sit on this, it will help them come out with a little more fire and, and uh, kind of take out their frustrations on BYU? Well, I don't think the, uh, you know, 
that's as much a concern as, as what the week has done for him. Because, like, I think BYU, every team now, and it's even worse in the NFL, is banged up this time of year. The injury problem, I don't know how you get over it in football because the game every year gets bigger, faster, bigger collisions, and everybody's got injured players. Uh, so I think having the week off just to heal up, so they didn't even practice once during the off week. They just conditioning and weightlifting, but did never, didn't have one practice. So I think they they feel better about things because they're getting some guys back. I don't know how, how if they'll be a hundred percent all of them, but you know, getting over the injuries I think was a big part of the week. Extra week. I believe Brian Kelly said in his weekly press conference that they expect every notable player to suit up. Is is that accurate? Well, you never know till they take the field. You know, I know uh, Ishak Williams, an outside linebacker, they were questionable about what he would be in there, but he did practice some. Um, but you never know till game day, and a lot of these guys, and BYU doesn't. I mean, guys, they, sometimes they turn up a lot better on game day uh, in pregame warm-ups, and other times, you know, the guys, the, the injury is lingering. So in my experience, you don't really know about the – you know who the injured players are, but you don't know what they're going to be able to give you until you see the game. I mean, it changed at the last minute. Notre Dame radio play-by-play. Don Crickey joins BYU Sports Nation. Don, what do you think of uh, Taysom Hill and Kyle Van Noy? Well, I'll take Van Noy first because he's, you know, he's a senior. I think he's a great football player. Uh, I think the pros love him because he's a three-down linebacker. There's a lot of guys that are great at stopping the run, but if they have to get into coverage on a speedy back, they're in trouble. Uh, Van Noy is as good as uh, on pass defense at a linebacker position as he is as a run stopper. I, mean, he, I think he's a, a, going to be a tremendous pro because he's, he's got a complete game. And as far as uh, Taysom Hill, I mean, you look at the numbers, the guy's had 44 runs of 10 yards or more. Nobody's had that. So Taysom Hill's got to be something special, in my humble opinion. And, uh, you know, he's going to get the ball a lot. I mean, and another guy that's, I think, maybe the most underrated guy on your team is, is probably Jamal Williams. Here's a guy that, you know, is capable of running the ball 30 times a game. He did that as a freshman. Ben was telling me that. And uh, so I think that, uh, you know, there's some real major league players on BYU. Don Crickey, radio play-by-play voice of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, joining BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. And, Don, you've had quite a broadcasting career. How did you work your way into the seat with Notre Dame? Well, I went to school there, and uh, I, I did, uh, you know, I've, I've done the NFL on network television for almost 50 years, believe it or not, starting in wow. 1967. And uh, I worked a number of times. I knew him very well as a player of the uh, the late great uh, Todd Christensen, who was a terrific guy, and uh, as well as with a lot of other guys. So I, you know, they Notre Dame their network asked me if I could do it. And then they play at night, though Notre Dame. All their games are at night, so it's hard to do the uh, Notre Dame and the NFL. And like Saturday's game is considered an afternoon game, but it's going to be dark, you know, half hour into the game, and it's going to be under the lights the entire game. And all their games are like that. They play at night. I mean, they don't select that. That's where television places them. Um, but they're used to it. You know, they know how to get ready for it. It's going to be very cold. And uh, But anyway, being a part of it, I've enjoyed that very much. This is my eighth year back. I did it for a while in the uh, 70s, but it's always a kind of a conflict prepping for an NFL game on television and doing Notre Dame on radio. So I'm in the midst of it and, uh, and enjoying it very much. Don, for the BYU fans making the uh, trip to the college football mecca of South Bend, what are a couple of things that they have to see, in your opinion, in South Bend? 
Well, the first thing I would advise the Cougar fans, although they're used to it, I would dress warm because I think that the <laughs> weather is definitely going to be a factor. From what I hear, there's going to be heavy winds, so it it might be a ground game more than uh, both teams had planned before it. Uh, I just think the whole campus experience, you know, it's uh, I think it's a very welcoming place to every team that comes in and all their fans. I think BYU fans would tell you that from the last year they were there. And uh, they travel well. There'll be, there'll be a lot of BYU fans there. I mean, they, I think they get 5,000 tickets, and they use them. So, but they're used to cold weather. It gets cold in Provo. And uh, I think it's just the whole game experience. I mean, guys tell me I've never been there, but they say one of the most beautiful stadiums in, is the Cougar Stadium. Uh, but I guess the, the surrounding mountains and what all goes with it. I think Notre Dame's, you know, just a, a good place to play and a, and a very welcoming place. Don Cricky, legendary broadcaster, play-by-play of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, has called 50 years' worth of NFL football. We're going to take you back to 1970. You're watching Tom Dempsey set up for a 63-yard field goal. What's going through your mind as uh, he approaches that ball and then when you see it go through? Well, when, I, when it was on the way, I said, I don't believe this because I could tell it was going to be pretty close to getting there. He kicked it. It had to be perfect. The ball was barely turning over in the air. He hit it. And what people don't realize is that they made a couple of adjustments. Uh, number one, normally the hold is seven yards back, but because the Lions were rushing 11, uh, they had the uh, they had the, the holder Joe Scarpetti was back eight yards rather than seven, something they had in practice. Uh, and again, enough. Also, Tom Dempsey he took an extra step, almost like he's running into a kickoff, because he had to kick it so far. So both those things came together. You know what it is. It went through somehow, and made Tom Dempsey a legend in New Orleans. And well, it's still the record. It's been tied, but at altitude, uh, somebody uh, tied it at uh, Mile High Yeah, Stadium. Jason Elam. Yeah, right, Elam, yes. And Janikowski has done it, too, for the Raiders as well. So there are three players oh, yeah, with a 63-yard field goal. However, well, I like to say in New Orleans, though, that, you know, Dempsey did it below sea level. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> New Orleans is like three feet below sea level. <laughs> you can't top that. That's the ultimate one-upper. <laughs> That's tremendous. When, uh, Don, when BYU announced that it was going independent, it coupled another major announcement with it, which was BYU signed a six-game six series with Notre Dame, four in South Bend, two in Provo. So the next four after this year, uh, you know, two in Provo at some point, two in South Bend. Yet Notre Dame has canceled a series with Michigan. Why do you think that Notre Dame has kept the series with BYU? Well, uh, that's it. well. Here's the here's the thing with Michigan. I can I can address that with fact. Uh, I think you know they've had rivalries in the Big Ten. They played Purdue almost ninety times, and they've played Michigan State almost ninety times. They've played Michigan like I, I don't know, but it's a lot less than that. And they're not going to uh, hit the reject button on guys that have been their longtime football rivals because everybody wants teams to want to play Notre Dame, and not because they care about Notre Dame, they care about national coverage. So I think, you know, they, they're hoping to play Michigan some more, but they have an obligation with their new alliance with the ACC to play five games a year with the ACC. So they're, they're sticking pretty much at this point with their longtime rivals. They do like to play all over the country. I know that uh, from recruiting and alumni standpoint. Uh, so I think, you know, BYU, they look as a, as a very good opponent. I mean, certainly last year's game was an indication of that, and this year's will be too could be a last-at-bat game. Who gets the ball last? Uh, so that's the, uh, the way they're scheduling, though. Their, their hand is forced. Five of their games have to be, have to be ACC, and they're not going to reject teams that they played almost 90 times, like USC, like Navy, 
like Purdue and Michigan State. Fair enough, and BYU fans love it. Trust me, this is a this is a welcome addition to the schedule and independence. It's been nice. And with that said, BYU, of course, looks to Notre Dame as an independent, and how can BYU sort of model that in a way? Um, uh, and with that said, uh, does Notre Dame uh, have any kind of perception of a relationship with BYU as an independent? I, I, I don't know for sure, but I wouldn't be surprised if they do because, uh, you know, the indication of that would be they're scheduling them. I mean, uh, multiple, ske- multiple games. So it looks to me like something that they look to have as an ongoing re- uh, ga- uh, rivalry. Don Cricky, Notre Dame play-by-play voice joining BYU Sports Nation. We thank you for the time. Great insight. And uh, stay warm once you get over to South Bend uh, for the Fighting Irish and Cougars. Spencer and Jaron, appreciate it very much. All right. Thanks, Don. Have a Thanks, good one. Don. What a week of guests on BYU Sports Nation. Trevor Maddich of ESPN, Dan Hicks of NBC Sports, he'll call the game on TV, Sean Farnham, college basketball expert ESPN, and now Don Cricky, legend and Notre Dame play-by-play. Very that nice. is how you do it. Up next, BYU TV analyst Blaine Fowler, double duty, basketball, football, telling us what the Iowa State game means going forward and how BYU football beats Notre Dame Saturday. This is BYU Sports Nation. Stay with us. We'll have more BYU Sports Nation right after this. And now, back to more BYU Sports Nation. Welcome, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan here. Hey, Jerem, tell us about that sweet film room. Sometimes you need to watch football and basketball and other sports, and you can do it on BYUTVSports.com slash film room. In fact, if you want to watch BYU take down Notre Dame in 2004, the last win over Notre Dame, you can do it. It's a part of the 128 football games in the archive. BYUTVSports.com slash film room. You download the app, the BYU TV app for Android or iOS, iPad. You can watch watch BYU beat Notre Dame in 04 on your phone right now. Solid. Solid. 128 football games. I know that'll take you a while. And growing. What was your biggest takeaway from the BYU-Iowa State basketball game last night on ESPNU? A lot of you saw it in person. 20,000, almost 20,000, I should say. Uh, and we go to Twitter once again. This is from at Adam R. Frank. Defense, rebounding, and free throws. Some issues, obviously, that BYU is addressing right now, and, and Dave Rose is aware of, but... Uh, the one that, that's really difficult on your home floor free throws. You miss eight free throws, crucial ones down the stretch, one from Anson Winder, one from Frank Bartley. But what do you do? You go on to the next one. You know what we haven't mentioned? That Elvin Edgem, Melvin Edgem flipped off the rock last night. <laughs> do you remember that? <laughs> that's when you know the rock did their job. Students getting into the heads of the players. He he wouldn't sit down because I don't know if if you're not left, familiar right, with yeah, left, right. When if it, you're not familiar with what the BYU fans do, the student section, when somebody fouls out, as they take a right footed step, they will chant right and then they go left foot, left. So right, left, right, and they'll walk all the way over to the bench and then when he sits down they'll all say, Sit down But he didn't Which is sit, hilarious. But he didn't sit down. He, he did it to spite them, so he, he stays standing up, and then he, without looking at them, he gives them the no-look bird. Then he peeled the banana. The no-look bird. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't look over and see it, but then all of a sudden Twitter just blew up. So there's that. So good luck sitting out a couple of games, brother. Granted, he did apologize immediately. I'm sure that his SID was you know on the phone You better than apologizing? was like, not, not doing, doing it. it. Exactly. At just Laser don't Sheep. do it. At Laser Sheep, his takeaway. Mika is good! Yes. I believe that you should read things the way that they're written. All so caps. if it's in all caps, Mika is good. <laughs> I'm glad he's going on a mission trip. 
but he need we need half of him to stay. He's gone after this year if you weren't aware. Merrick Mika is going on a two-year LDS mission trip. Mission trip. Trip being the, <laughs> the, the key word right there. No, not. Uh, at Johnny Lingo. This one's funny. Cyclones will do anything to win. At Johnny Lingo is funnier than his, than his uh, comment. <laughs> Classic uh, movie there. He continues on and says, and we stink at free throws. Oh, that's, that's a little... Look, sixty percent. Yeah, not great, but it's it's they're efforting. Mohana, you efforting ugly. that. Okay. Uh, very quick, I wanted to mention one other thing before we get to Blaine Fowler. Fred Hoiberg, the mayor, the head coach of the Iowa State Cyclones, walking across the court. I make took the liberty of going up and introducing myself to him and talking with him and and just mentioned to him. Coach, what a great win. What an incredibly tough place to come in. And the way you won with two studs on the bench and you held off BYU, that's just a really quality win. And he was gracious, said thank you very much. And and then we got to talking about the Michigan win, and it, it came about that he feels, he told me, he feels the win at BYU probably bigger than the win over Michigan. Interesting. Wow. How's that for national respect? Again, not spinning moral victories, but... If you get a head coach of Iowa State after he beats Michigan saying that about BYU, that carries a little bit of luster. We welcome in BYU TV sports analyst, basketball, football expert, Blaine Fowler. Blaine, let's start with hoops. How do you feel the Eric Mika play slash injury and him not coming back into the game affected the BYU team down the stretch? Well, I, you know, I think it, it took the wind out of BYU sails a little bit. When, when he had to go out, because not only is Mika a guy that can run the floor and give you production offensively down in the post, but he's a physical defender and is also a good help defender on, on the defensive end. And you know, after he went out, BYU just struggled to stop the inside game you know, the, the, uh, from the bigs from Iowa State. So it hurt him. I mean, you would think that it would have been counterbalanced by the disqualification with fouls, and and uh, and the ejection and all of that. So so to me, with with what happened to Iowa State after that, I don't think that you can use Eric Mika as an excuse that he wasn't able to return to the game. I think I think it had an impact on the game, but I think that I think with two guys fouling out and one guy getting ejected for Iowa State, that certainly more than balanced that out. And BYU just didn't make the plays down the stretch that they needed to, to win that game. Blaine, our Twitter question today is, what was your biggest takeaway from last night's game? What do you think? Well, I, Tyler Hawes wasn't 100% healthy, that, that's for sure. And I think with a healthy Tyler Hawes, it makes a difference because he really didn't get going the way you would like him to until the second half and really got going on the free throw line and then made some shots. Uh, but a uh, healthy Tyler Hawes makes this team really, really dangerous. And so I think, I think the future is bright with these guys. I also have a, a, a disappointing takeaway, and that is I was disappointed that this team, when, when they were on the run, especially in the first half, and, and they had the opportunity to really put the foot on the gas and get even more separation, they, they had a little bit of a lull there before halftime, and they allowed Iowa State to get back in the game. In my opinion, they, they could have put enough distance between themselves when they were on that run in the first half really put their foot on the accelerator at elevation and run Iowa State into the ground to a point that the game was out of reach. And, and I don't know if it's maturity because there's a lot of young guys that are playing right now or what it is, but that, that ability to put a team away when you've got them down, um, they didn't have it last night. And it, it's a game that literally could have been won in the first half and, and the BYU didn't because they let up. 
Blaine Fowler, BYU TV analyst, joining BYU Sports Nation. And Blaine, I'm not petitioning for BYU basketball to get a moral victory out of this, but I do feel strongly that they certainly didn't lose respect in the eyes of the national audience. Do you feel that last night's loss hurt or helped BYU? Oh, I, I think it gave them exposure because they were with a national audience and people saw how good they were and they saw new young players like Mika. And so I, I don't think it hurt them, but I do think it's a game that they should have won. Uh, and, hey, mind you, this is a ranked Iowa State team that's very good, that's coming off a victory against Michigan. And, and so I think there's some respect there, but it's, it's still disappointing that they couldn't finish the job and it's a game that they should have won. In, in the big scheme of things, I don't think it's a bad loss. I don't think it's a bad loss when it comes to NCAA tournament selection time. I mean, it's a quality opponent. You should get them at home, but I don't think that that loss is going to hurt them. It's going to help their strength of schedule, even though they lost. And uh, and so, basically, is it a positive or a minus when, it, when it's all said and done at the end of the year? It's a positive they played them, even though they lost. Blaine, two huge games are coming up for BYU in the college basketball experience in Kansas City. Monday is Texas, Tuesday is DePaul or Wichita State. If Eric Mika can't go, what do you think of BYU's chances of winning both those games? Well, it hurts for the, for the reason we talked about just a little bit ago, because he, he's remarkably um, physical in the post for a guy that's just a freshman. And, and that's something that BYU needs down there. And he's not just physical down there. He's this unusual combination of a guy that can be physical, that can go and battle and get a good spot down low, deep in the post, and produce offensively with his back to the basket. But he can also go out and run the floor. And so he's a matchup problem for people. And BYU will miss that matchup problem. So you would hope that he's healthy. He's a big part of, of of what their success is going to be this year because of that mismatch. You know, you can, BYU's got a lot of lineups where they can put mismatches on the floor. I think Chris Collinsworth, um, or Kyle Collinsworth, is, is a mismatch for a lot of people at 6'6 out there when he's playing the point. And so he's a big guy that can handle the basketball. I think like that, Mika is also a big-time mismatch. And so whenever you have a guy that's, that really can create advantages for you on the floor that can't play, that other teams have a hard time matching up with, it hurts you. Blaine Fowler, BYU TV analyst, joining BYU Sports Nation. And Blaine, you are headed to a balmy South Bend this Saturday for BYU Notre Dame football. Uh, you told me that uh, a little earlier that it was going to be seven degrees with the wind chill factor by the end of the game. How much do you feel like uh, weather will either help or hurt BYU's chances against a very physical Fighting Irish football team? Well, it. It, it kind of equalizes both teams in the past game. And the wind's supposed to be blowing as well, by the way. You know, cold is one thing, but cold with wind and rain and snow mix um, and probably turning to snow by the end of the game, that, that kind of grounds both teams. And when I look at it, if there's, if there's a weakness in this Notre Dame defense this year, and this, this is unusual for them over the last four or five years, they're actually better against the pass than they are against the run. And BYU, as we know, is a a very good run team, you know, a team ranked 12th in the nation in rushing offense. And and in terms of total defense, Notre Dame's a pretty good team in terms of total defense. It's a top 35 team, but they're 62nd in the nation in run defense. So I would think that, that BYU would have the opportunity to grind some things out on this team and, and get some big plays in the run game. Um, I, 
I think that both teams would prefer it to just be good weather and be able to have their entire offenses. But if it's going to be terrible, terrible weather, I don't think it handicaps BYU. It may give them a, a little bit of an edge, but not anything major. It just makes everybody in the stands miserable. And it makes Dave and I miserable standing on the sidelines. Imagine that. BYU football playing in inclement weather this season. That is so weird, right? <laughs> hey, you know what? And BYU got, you know, they got that opportunity last week to play with snow flying down and those <laughs> kinds of things. So, so they, they have a little bit of experience in it. Um, but BYU's become so much more explosive in the past game. And, it, and if it truly, they're talking about the beginning of the game, wind chills of 17. By the end of the game, wind chills of 7. And so you win combined, moisture and cold. It, it is really difficult to effectively throw the football in that kind of weather. Blaine, I feel like this year's schedule has prepared BYU for a game like this better than any schedule BYU's ever played in that they've played tough games throughout the year with Texas and Boise State and Wisconsin. Do you feel like this BYU team is better prepared to handle a team like Notre Dame this time around? Oh, absolutely. In, in the past years, this would have been the biggest game on the schedule. It's a big game, but it's not bigger than the Texas game. It's not bigger than the Wisconsin game. This Notre Dame team's not more talented than either of those teams. In fact, their talent level is probably similar to Boise State this year. And I think the Wisconsin game, if there's any one game that's prepared them to go back to South Bend and have success, it's that Wisconsin game. And I believe that Wisconsin's a better football team than Notre Dame this year. You know, Notre Dame's not as explosive offensively um, as Wisconsin, especially not in the run game. Wisconsin's got literally three NFL running backs on that roster and a couple of NFL offensive linemen that are up, up in front protecting for, for that, that great try, you know, try set of backs. You know, we saw one and two. They have a, Wisconsin has a freshman that's an NFL guy. So Notre Dame's not as deep at running back. Um, I think they're, they're probably similar, maybe a little bit better at quarterback. Tommy Reese may, may be a little bit better than Stave. The receiving core, not better than Wisconsin's, similar. I think Jones is, is, is similar. Um, and, and so it, it's offensively, I just think Wisconsin's a better football team. And then defensively, I think Wisconsin is significantly better. Um, Wisconsin's a top 5D, legitimately a top 5D. Notre Dame this year, they're good, but they're, they're not top 5 defense like they were last year. So I think BYU went in, played against a big physical team on the road in front of 80,000 Wisconsin. They're prepared to go into South Bend, and I do not believe that Notre Dame is explosive on either side of the ball or as explosive as Wisconsin. So I like BYU's chances. I think this is a game they go in on the road and they win. BYU TV analyst Blaine Fowler working both sides of uh, the show today, basketball and football. And I'm going to ask you to channel your inner national analyst self, Blaine. We asked this to our uh, followers on BYU Sports Nation yesterday, and that is which team is generating more national attention right now? BYU basketball, now coming off a two-point loss to Iowa State, they're 4-1, or BYU football at 7-3 and and going into South Bend to play Notre Dame? I think the football team will be big time in the spotlight this week just because it's on NBC, on national television. And, and even though we're getting into basketball season right now, we're starting to talk about it, and all these preseason tournaments are rolling, the, the national conscience is still fixed squarely on football right now. And, and so I think this is an opportunity for BYU to go back and get a win at Notre Dame and really be in the national spotlight. Now, before the season's over, you know, as we get into January and February, 
I think this BYU basketball team is going to make a huge splash uh, because I, I think they're going to be very good. This is a young team that's just going to get better. And games like that Iowa State game against really good opponents are going to be learning experiences for them. And those are the games that even a month from now they're going to win in dominating fashion. Blaine Fowler, always good to have you. Okay, just to make sure uh, that you've covered all of your, your weather conditions uh, and you've got those on the, the checked off on your list, you've had a monsoon in Virginia. You've had yeah. the freak storm pregame against Texas with the storm cell. That we'll, we'll call that a mini uh, hurricane. Uh, Where we were on the air for like two hours just flying by the seat. <laughs> that was awesome. That was great television. Uh, you've had the cold and wind in Wisconsin. You've had the sleet and muddy conditions against Idaho State, and now you got the blizzard. Talking to Dave McCann, and he says, yeah, I'm going to wear a thermal underwear. And I was like, thermal underwear? That's so old school. Don't wear a thermal underwear. you got to go get some Under Armour, man. Thermal <laughs> underwear, that's what your grandmother wore. And so he said he's going to pick up some Under Armour today, and he's going to be ready to go. He'll still pick kickers for Y-Factors. I know. That's You know what? Guys that wear thermal underwear, he's <laughs> Let's just say that. Oh, we must protect this house. Under Armour uh, uh, for Blaine Fowler. This is the Nike school, Spencer. And that's true, in in South Bend. And and Dave McCain will have on thermal underwear with a flap in the back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, did not expect that, but I love it so much. Thanks, Blaine. All right, guys. Talk to you later. (laughs) That was was just fantastic. A flap in the back. (laughs) <laughs> uh, settle down there. Hey, let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Soccer. Today, 4.30 Eastern, 2.30 Mountain, the 19th ranked BYU Cougars. Women's soccer team playing Colorado in the second round of the NCAA tournament in Tallahassee, Florida. We are now joined by head coach Jennifer Rockwood, who is enjoying some very nice Florida weather and hopefully will be enjoying a win tonight and a berth into the Sweet 16. Coach! How's Florida? Guys, it is beautiful. 70 and sunny. So, I don't know what those other guys are all complaining about, but we got it pretty good here in Florida. Ideal conditions for your team as they take on Colorado today. A lot of people thought you might get the rematch with Denver, a team you lost to one nothing, but the Buffs uh, stunned the Pioneers. Now you get Colorado. What do you know about your opponent? Yeah, obviously they're a good team. Played in the Pac-12, so they've, uh, they've had some tough opponents. Um, but we like our chances. We're playing great soccer right now. Um, you know, I think uh, defensively they may not uh, be used to uh, our high pressure, and uh, I think that might catch them off guard a little bit. So just pleased with where we are right now, and the girls looking forward to the game. You do have some youth on this team, but many of these uh, the members of your team went to the Elite Eight last year. They played in these kind of games. How ready do you feel your team is for today's game? Uh, you know, I think we're ready. We had a lot of great uh, experience last year in playing in these big, you know, kind of win-or-go-home type games. And you know, we got great leadership on the team with Chloe and Rachel and Erica, who, uh, you know, were big key figures for us last season. And, uh, you know, they're playing great soccer. And at this time of year, you need your best players playing their best. Yeah. And uh, I think that's where we are right now. Coach, you haven't lost since Santa Clara. What do you credit the turnaround to? Um, you know, I think we've just been working hard every day. We've, we've worked a lot on our attack. Um, you know, we struggled to score some goals there for a while, and we've just spent the last three weeks really working on how we can be you know, less predictable and uh, our forwards helping us keep the ball and combining and, and just putting them in front of the goal, having to make decisions for the last three weeks. And we just gotten a little bit better. I think they're playing with more confidence. I know you guys went to the beach, was it yesterday? How do you leverage that experience to a win? 
Oh, wait, it has nothing to do with that. How was the beach? <laughs> the beach was awesome. It was just that sunset. We took some fun pictures. These girls love taking pictures of themselves, this generation. <laughs> but, um, you know, so just having fun, being loose, spending some fun time together. Um, you know, everybody feels the pressure, but you also, you know, you, know, you want to keep them loose. And uh, we went to uh, a park and walked around this morning, took some pictures, climbing trees. So I think we'll be ready to go. A couple years ago, you guys beat Miami on the road, and then you, the team jumped in the ocean with uh, their jerseys on. Will that happen yeah. tonight if you beat Colorado? Yeah, we might throw them in the lake. We yeah. might make uh, Brian Santiago with us this trip. <laughs> oh, we yes. Time, so we might have to push B in, into the lake. So. <laughs> I would love to see that so much, Coach. So please, please get a win. <laughs> yeah, we'll do. We'll do our very best. All righty. Good luck against Colorado today. We'll be watching. Okay, thanks, guys. Jennifer Rockwood joining BYU Sports Nation. Winner to the Sweet 16 between BYU and Colorado. That game on NCAA.com, 2.30 Mountain, 4.30 Eastern. Tomorrow we have the head volleyball coach, Sean Olmstead, joining the show. Sean, uh, trying to pick up some BYU Sports Nation karma as the Cougars go for what would be an outright West Coast Conference championship against San Diego in San Diego. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> That was great earlier with Blaine. <laughs> That's an evil laugh. I can't believe I produced that. Can we hear that again? <laughs> Is that what Sean Olmstead does after BYU wins over San Diego and they're leaving San Diego with the championship? I hope so. Let's give you the final poll results on BYUTVSports.com. What was your biggest takeaway from the BYU-Iowa State basketball game? The winner. What do you think the winner is? I'm going to say Eric Meek is a beast. Oh, That took second. But uh, the winner is, need to make more free throws, 56%. I still think this team is great. They have huge potential. Yeah, big big games coming up for BYU, no doubt. Big thanks to our guests, Blaine Fowler, Don Crickey, Jennifer Rockwood, and everyone on our crew, producer Ben Bagley, senior coordinating producer Michael Miner, station manager Don Chaline, production assistants Alan Miller, and for the first time today, Zach Brady, nice work, and our engineer Aaron Evans. Can we get a, a quick rise and shout to our producer, Ben Bagley, who has done a fantastic job lining up an incredible week of guests. Yeah, Ben. Yeah, Ben. Woo! Way to get it done. Check out our new BYU Sports Nation Facebook page for show links and much more. Like and comment all you like. You can also listen to episodes of the show on demand at BYURadio.org. For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton, and you have just listened to BYU Sports Nation. <laughs> <laughs>